0: Our scripture lesson today is 2 Corinthians 13. Did I say Corinthians? No one yelled out at Samuel or did somebody and I didn't hear it? (laughs) It's 2 Samuel 13. Hear the word of God. In the course of time, Amnon, son of David, fell in love with Tamar, the beautiful sister of Absalom, son of David. Amnon became so obsessed with his sister Tamar that he made himself ill. She was a virgin, and it seemed impossible for him to do anything to her. Now, Amnon had an advisor named Jonadab, son of Shemiah, David's brother. Jonadab was a very shrewd man. He asked Amnon, why do you, the king's son, look so haggard morning after morning? Won't you tell me? Amnon said to him, I'm in love with Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Go to bed and pretend to be ill, Jonadab said. When your father comes to see you, say to him, I would like my sister Tamar to come and give me something to eat let her prepare the food in my sight so i may watch her and then eat it from her hand so amnon lay down and pretended to be ill when the king came to see him amnon said to him i would like my sister tamar to come and make some special bread in my sight so i may eat it from her hand david sent word to tamar at the palace go to the house of your brother amnon and prepare some food for him so tamar went to the house of her brother amnon who was lying down she took some dough kneaded it made the bread in his sight, and baked it. Then she took the pan and served him the bread, but he refused to eat. Send everyone out of here, Amnon said, so everyone left him. Then Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food here into my bedroom so I may eat from your hand. And Tamar took the bread she had prepared and brought it to her brother Amnon in his bedroom. But when she took it to him to eat, he grabbed her wrist and said, come to bed with me, my sister. "'No, my brother,' she said to him. "'Don't force me. "'Such a thing should not be done in Israel. "'Don't do this wicked thing. "'What about me? "'Where could I get rid of my disgrace? "'And what about you? You would, look, "'You would be like one of the wicked fools in Israel. "'Please speak to the king. "'He will not keep me from being married to you.' "'But he refused to listen to her, "'and since he was stronger than she, he raped her. "'Then Amnon hated her with intense hatred.' In fact, he hated her more than he had loved her. Amnon said to her, get up and get out. No, she said to him, sending me away would be a greater wrong than what you have already done to me. But he refused to listen to her. He called his personal servant and said, get this woman out of my sight and bolt the door after her. So his servant put her out and bolted the door after her. She was wearing an ornate robe, for this was the kind of garment the virgin daughters of the king wore. Tamar put ashes on her head and tore the ornate robe she was wearing. She put her hands on her head and went away, weeping aloud as she went. Her brother Absalom said to her, Has that Amnon, your brother, been with you? Be quiet for now, my sister. He is your brother. Don't take this thing to heart. And Tamar lived in her brother Absalom's house, a desolate woman. When King David heard all this, he was furious. And Absalom never said a word to Amnon, either good or bad. He hated Amnon because he had disgraced his sister Tamar. This is the word of the Lord. Sometimes I might say to you, encourage you to say, this is the word of the Lord with a little more enthusiasm, but I'm pretty cool with you not doing that today. Hmm. Okay, so today we're talking about sex and systemic sin. Um, I wrote systemic one because it alliterates nicely. It starts with S like the other words in that little title. Um, But as I thought more about it, I realized it's actually, so we have in our tradition in, in Reformed theology, we use words like original sin, which doesn't mean, wow, that was an original sin. Look at how creative that person is. It just means that we started in sin. And we use total depravity, which doesn't mean that everything is completely broken so what i want to suggest to you is we make a pact here that we use the word systemic sin because what it means is the whole system is infected by sinfulness so that if you live in this world and you are part of the system of this world which you are right then you are infected by what's broken in this world as well we're all connected to each other it's a little help more helpful term in my humble opinion so, I want to give you some of the people so we know what's going on here. We have King David, and King David was a man of many wives. Eight are listed, anyways. Um, three of those are Bathsheba, who we all know because um, her story is the most famous, and Solomon is her son, among a few others. Um, and just noting that the story of David and Bathsheba is right before this story, and that's significant because all the way after that point, David was knocking it out of the park as the king after chapters 11 and 12, his sin with Bathsheba, um, and against others, things got a little bit messier. Then Ahinoam is Amnon's mother, and Maacah is Absalom and Tamar's mother. That way it makes more sense when you see this verse. In the course of time, Amnon, son of David, fell in love with Tamar, the beautiful sister of Absalom, son of David. So Tamar is Amnon's half-sister, just to make that clear. My line up here is love is good. It's a good thing to love your sister, right? You know the story, so you know where it's going, and you know there's, okay, this is a bit uncomfortable. But loving people is good, and that's kind of the main message of the Bible. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbors as yourself. Love God, love your neighbor, love yourself, right? So I always want to say to people, because in our broad Christian tradition for the last, many hundred years anyways, we've been really reticent to talk about our sexuality, about sex at all, right? And it feels to me sometimes like the more we push this conversation down, the more it leaks out the side, all right? Churches that speak really strongly, only negatively about sexuality, don't have any less sexual issues than churches that are actually more open about it. It's not an effective tool to say, if we just don't talk about it, don't do it, keep it out there kind of a thing. It's not helping us have a healthier um, community in the area of sexuality. Love is good. Sex was created by God for all the possible reasons you can imagine it being created for good things. We need to keep holding on to the fact that the um, refrain of the creation story is, it is good. Right? And also says, male and female, he created them, and then at the end of that part he goes, it is very good. Right? And I always want to remind people, whatever you've struggled with and learned about or dealt with, the very fact of sexuality and your desire for somebody else in a loving way is God's design for you. So whatever else you learn in this message, don't learn to panic about being a sexually attracted person. That's all of us, Right? What we need to realize is what are the boundaries, what are the guidelines, and how do we walk through this journey? It's a good starting place. It's okay to love your sister. Obsessed, that's where we get into trouble, but with boundaries. So Amnon became so obsessed with his sister Tamar that he made himself ill. Right? He was, so imagine... Imagine there's something in your life, maybe you've had this experience, right? Someone or something in your life that you're so excited about that you're not functioning really well anymore, because all you can think about is that person or or that opportunity or whatever it is that you have become obsessed with, right? That in itself is also a reasonably normal human experience to become really excited to the point of being obsessed about something. And in this circumstance so far, she was a virgin and it seemed impossible for him to do anything to her. I don't know about you, but That's a horrible way to say that it's like the writer of this story is saying we're just waiting for him to have an opportunity if he just had an opportunity right just remember this story was written many many years ago in a different culture where they would be a little more blunt about this i'll say that much anyways so he's obsessed with her but the boundaries are keeping him from doing anything with his obsession if you are going to be obsessed about something it's good to have those boundaries that keep you from doing anything negative with it so we'll at least give him that much so far then more family now amnon had an advisor named jonadab son of shemiah david's brother there will be a test on all the names later by the way and jonadab was a very shrewd man the simplest translation of that word shrewd is crafty and i'm so excited because i thought for sure it would be the same word In Genesis 3, where the serpent is more crafty than all the other animals, it's not the same word. Of all the things, for Hebrew to have a lot of words about, it's shrewd and crafty. So Jonadab was not the serpent. He was just a guy who knew how to get you to the place where you needed to go, and he'd give you a strategy to get there. The fact is, he's using it for a negative purpose here, but being shrewd all in and of itself, of course, is not a bad thing. And you're going to hear that as a refrain today. There's lots of things in this story, which turns out horribly, obviously. There's lots of things along the way that are still really good things. In fact, everything that's broken in this world is something good twisted for a negative purpose. Okay? Everything in this world that's negative is just the twisting of something good because what did God say when he created the world? It is good. What did he say on the sixth day? It is very good. And so what sin is, is taking God's good creation in this case, sexuality, and twisting it for a purpose that it wasn't meant to be used for, right? And Jonadab's shrewdness is used in that same sort of way. I say more family because the system's issue here is a family issue, right? We're gonna see as we go through all these different players, they're all family, right? And they got this sort of code together. And this is a very dangerous thing to say in a context like this because a lot of you are related to each other. You have that too. All families have this, so it's not a blame thing, it's a reality thing. Your family has something likely that you don't like to talk about, right? And the code is, if I come in your family and my family's used to talking about whatever your secret thing is, I'll come in and I'll start talking about it, and I'll quickly notice, oh, no one's making eye contact, no one's saying anything, right? That's your family system telling me to be quiet, right? My family system would have a different thing, so you come to my house, you start talking about something, and we don't talk to you, right? You quickly learn these things, all families have this. We are talking today about trying to change, heal, open up some of those family system secret issues, okay? Telling is good. He asks Anna what's going on, and he says, I'm in love with, my, with Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. If this is the end of the story, we would have nailed it here, it would have been perfect right? I'm obsessed with something. I can't get this person out of my mind. My friend asks me, what the heck's wrong with you? And I say, this is what's wrong with me. Excellent. Send me to a counselor. Pray for me yourself. Work with me in a way to get healing in that place. Don't be Jonadab and give a really good way to get in more trouble, all right? I know that part's obvious. I had to say it out loud. Acting has its place. Again, I want to point out acting isn't, isn't evil in and of itself, Pretending to be ill so that you can sleep with your stepsister is, or your half-sister is, right? Acting has its place. And then parental responsibility. What was David thinking, right? What was David thinking? He sent word to Tamar after, Amnon asked him at the palace, go to the house of your brother Amnon and prepare some food for him. Now we probably don't have the whole conversation, but I really wish that the conversation would have been, Amnon, why? Why would I do this? Right? We, I usually use this line with people. If you suspect that something might be off, something's more than likely off. Trust that instinct. Right? How many times have we heard after something tragic happens, after something horrible happens, yeah, I had a feeling about that. Yeah, trust that feeling. At least ask a gentle question. You don't got to go out accuse, yeah, you're going to do this. No, just ask. Why, Amnon? Why do you want your sister to do that? Why do you want her to cook bread and feed you? Why your sister, right? David missed his parental responsibility. So there are many great things about King David, right? We all say this about our parents when we recognize something broken in them, right? My parents are great, but they made mistakes. David was a great king and leader, but he also made mistakes. And this is not a dare to be a David story. This is a story where you don't be like David. And then feeding the obsession, pun intended. So she's standing in front of him cooking, and he's watching her. He's just feeding his obsession. He's obsessing over her as she's cooking. He's just getting himself more worked up. But when she took it to him to eat, he grabbed her and said, come to bed with me, my sister. And she gives him five, five great reasons not to. One, don't force me she's the first person to say no means no and stop means stop right right on she says such a such a thing should not be done in israel if look at our broad community and of course this is the king's family we represent this community this should not be happening in israel because this is not how we want to function This is not who we want to be and just simply it's wicked don't do this wicked thing is just pointing out this is wrong there's right there's wrong this one This act, this point, is wrong. Then she goes on, what about me? She'll be disgraced, right? He is ruining her life. And that doesn't work for him, since he seems to be pretty selfish in this moment anyways. What about you? You are actually going to destroy yourself in this process. And here she seems prophetic, because that's kind of what happens as the story proceeds. She gives him five good, logical reasons now, the really hard part of this story, but he refused to listen to her. And since he was stronger than she, he raped her. I call this the elephant and the rider because some person with the surname Hate, H A I D T, I can't say it out the way, then it sounds like hate, but it's Hate wrote a book about the elephant and the rider, and the elephant and the rider works like this, and I think this is so important for us to understand. Your emotions are like an elephant, and your thoughts, your rationality, your logic is like the rider, right? And the rider can, most, in most circumstances, control the elephant, right? People do ride elephants, right? But once the elephant is spooked, scared, driven by some emotional response, That writer has nothing to say about what's going on anymore, right? So lots of us, I would include myself in that, think of ourselves as logical people, right? If I take a Myers-Briggs test, I land on the thinking side, not on the feeling side, which means I think I make my decisions with my mind. Not actually true. What I am good at is quickly coming up with logical reasons for what my emotions tell me to do. Right? My mind just tells me where my elephant's trying to go and I try to justify it. That's how most of us work on these things. Right? So what happened here with Amnon and his refusing to listen to her is she gave him five brilliant, obvious, simple reasons why what he was doing was wrong. She gave him the logic. But he had given in completely so much to the obsession of his emotions right, that he overpowered her and he raped her. It's horrible. Right? At the point where we are here in the story, it's like it was too late before we even got to the last line, right? He had opened the door, he had entered in, his parents and his family had given him advice and opportunity, right? And all those things conspired together to this awful moment where her life was abused. It wasn't love. And don't blame the victim. Then Amnon hated her with intense hatred. In fact, he hated her more than he had loved her. In the Hebrew, because Pastor Brady used Hebrew last week, i got to start using Hebrew now. In the Hebrew, it says, then Amnon hated her with a hot hatred. In fact, his hate for her was stronger, no. Anyways, there's four hates in there. It just says hate after hate after hate after hate, right? It's... It's horrible writing because he has no variety in his words. It's the exact same word over and over and over again. They're just piling it up so you recognize this crazy moment. So here's Amnon, absolutely convinced that he is in love with his sister, right? Playing out this whole scheme. And the minute the horrible deed of rape is over, he hates her. Well, it tells us clearly it wasn't love love has the best interest of the other person in mind. And this was selfish. This was just about him. Right? And he hates her because she's just given him five good logical reasons, right? And once he's calmed down sexually, he no longer is emotionally all tied up, and he's now got logic back, and he goes... I now have five reasons why that was the horrible thing to do. He knows, right? And so he kicks her out. That's blaming the victim. She made this happen, so if I just get rid of her, right, it's her fault. It's the same idea as a hijab, right? If women just didn't look beautiful, men wouldn't lust after them. That has no logic to it, people. Not picking on other religions, just saying that kind of a thing has no logic to it. Then the next sin, because this is what happens, once you do one big thing that brings shame on you and you don't want to talk about it because you know how wrong it is, right? You need to do other things to try and cover that up. So he tries to send her away and she says no. I'll explain that in a second. Sending me away would be a greater wrong than what you have already done to me. Now I'm not selling this idea. I'm just telling you that this is the Old Testament biblical idea. He's supposed to take her as his wife now right? We're not using this rule. It comes from the Bible, but we're not using it, okay? Just to be really clear. But in that, look it up in Leviticus, right? If a man rapes a woman, he's now responsible for her, right? Whole different culture, whole different world, that's why we're not doing it, right? But she's saying, at least obey this rule. You messed up a whole bunch of other things, but at least obey this rule and take care of me because she has been now put out, right? She's left On the street is really what he's done to her. So it starts to multiply, starts to grow. And her response is a brave and bold one, I must say. Tamar put ashes on her head and tore the ornate robe she was wearing. She put her hands on her head and she went away weeping. Why I think this is a brave, bold move. She's proclaiming what has happened. She's proclaiming that she's been disgraced. She's begging somebody to ask her what's going on because that's how you would do that in her culture. right? I don't know if you're aware of this, but most often if somebody is raped, the last thing they want to do is actually confront anybody, tell anybody there's an instant feeling of shame that unfortunately happens. right? And so I want everybody here and everyone listening online to know this is the brave, bold move you need to make. If something happens to you where you are abused in any way, as much as shame tells you to keep that a secret, as much as the perpetrator tries to tell you this is our little secret, tell someone. Tell someone. And hopefully you, you hearing me in my voice say that to you today, if you need someone to talk to, I am here for you. All right? Tell someone. Anytime, anytime even a parent says to you, this is just our little secret, tell the other parent at least find a safe adult you can talk to. Find a safe person in life you can talk to and make sure that if the secret is meant to be a secret, it's an okay secret to have. And this is messed up on so many levels. Let me try and find them all for you. Her brother Absalom said to her, has that Amnon, your brother, been with you? So he sees her, sees that she's disgraced. And my first question is, how does he know? How does he know? Is he Implicit enough in this that he was aware of what was going on and didn't stop it. Messed up piece number one. Be quiet now, my sister. That's just wrong, right, for all the reasons I just said. When you meet a victim of abuse, you don't tell them to stuff it down. they got that instinct all by themselves. You help them find a way you actually need to say, tell me what happened and you need to find the right person to help that person walk through whatever has happened in their world. Be quiet now, my sister. And this is the hard one. He's your brother. He's your brother. This is that family thing again, that family systems thing where somebody in the family says, we can't let people know about that, because if people know about that, we are going to be shamed. Right. And the only way to pass through shame is by bringing it to the light, bringing it into the open, having confession and forgiveness and healing and restoration, and all the things that need to happen Of that. It does not get healed by pushing it down. Family after family, culture after culture, church after church has tried to push down broken things that have happened among them and it always will leak out the side because truth will find its way. Don't take this thing to heart. You've got to be kidding is there any possible way that the victim of rape wouldn't have their heart affected by what's happened to this, happened to them, right? It doesn't matter who tells you not to take it to heart. That doesn't stop you from feeling that and having experienced that. And anytime, especially those of us with authority, try to tell people not to feel, experience what they've experienced, Right. we are hurting them further. Right. We're blaming and hurting the victim. Absalom's response is just a perfect example of how not to respond to somebody who's gone through a tragic experience. So I want to say that this, that Tamar lived in her brother Absalom's house as a desolate woman, her life was ruined, this happened because of this. When David heard of this, he was furious. When I read that, I paused after that on purpose because you're thinking, okay, David was furious, and... The next line is Absalom again. So it's wonderful to be angry and upset because horrible things have happened in the world, right? But don't think that that's a useful response, please. Right? So um, I was reminded of this story the other day. Uh, one of my kids was playing soccer um, back in Brampton years ago, and one of the parents in the parking lot said, Oh no, I, I can't find my son, and, and they were starting to panic and a bunch of the other parents started talking to each other about what a horrible parent this person was, and other people started saying, oh, this is just tragic and and feeling with the person, and finally someone said, well, what's he wearing? What does he look like? Why don't we go find him, right? Being furious is a natural starting reaction. It's an emotional one. You can't make or stop that from happening. That's just a response, but it doesn't change anything. David's being furious is pretty much useless in this story, unless he would have said, That was wrong, I should never have let that happen because I told her to go there, and he has authority, he made her go there, is really what it is, and we need to find justice. Now it's not in the story, I'm just gonna guess, but the fact that 2 Samuel 12 is right before 2 Samuel 13, and David's just been confronted about his sin and just been in mourning, one, he knows what he should do because he just went through it for himself, but perhaps that bug of shame again got to him and he thought oh no i don't know how to handle this and he panics and does nothing whatever it is he missed doing exactly what he should have done so her desolation happened because david didn't do anything with his fury and because absalom never said a word to amnon either good or bad he hated amnon It's hard to pick which is the most horrible thing in this story but this is a close runner because absalom takes in his sister looking like i love you i'm going to care for you i'm going to watch over you i'm I'm also mad about what happened there but he doesn't confront his brother for what he did doesn't say anything to him in fact he takes this as this personal opportunity to hang on to this anger against his brother And spoiler alert, in the rest of the chapter, he kills that brother. So he just multiplies the horror of what's gone on in this family, right? And when we don't name what's broken among us, when we don't confront for purposes of confession and forgiveness and healing, right, things start to multiply and get worse, right? What we need to do as we become aware of the brokenness that's in our world, it was in the king's family in Old Testament Israel, it's in our family still today, we need to name it in healthy ways and confront it and bring it to a place of healing. In fact, you may be surprised to know that's my conclusion slide. Systems like sin kept secret. Systems like it when sin is kept secret. All right. Every family system prefers that nobody knows what's wrong with us. Right? It's a natural response, it's just not a healthy one. Every church community loves it when everything looks fine and nobody knows what's secret and what's broken among us. Systems like sin kept secret. The Bible is about sin coming into the light and being forgiven. Keeping it secret and forgiving are not the same thing. I know you understand that, I just need to say it again and again because our gut reaction is we better not talk about that, right? The healthy response is we better find a healthy, proper place to talk about that we need to start with honest, healthy exposure. Honest, healthy exposure. The statistics on how many females um, are sexually abused in our culture are horrifying. I don't have them at my fingertips. It's just way too high. I'm sad to tell you that in my experience as a pastor, Those statistics aren't necessarily that different within the church community. The numbers aren't necessarily that different. I have, even if I had done this once, I have walked with way too many people who have been hurt in this way. And some of them have shoved it so far down that I knew before they did that they were sexually abused. We need to keep working on the wonderful processes we have in place here the policies about safe church and all those things we need to be vigilant as families right we need to ask good questions of each other we need to keep what's broken in the light so that forgiveness and healing and restoration can take place jesus in john 12 says i have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness for any of us who has a dark secret, the simple urging always is, bring it into the light. If it happened to you, or you were on the doing end of something horrible, right? bring that into the light, because this is a place where we can bring healing and restoration to forgiveness in Jesus' name. Amen. I have a written prayer that I want to use as a conclusion to this message. Written by someone else. Let's pray. God of truth, thank you for bringing this to light. For some of us, manipulation, confusion, and abuse are closely linked to our experience, even with people of faith. And for some of us, we still refuse to see this as an issue. We need your spirit to reveal the truth and bring justice to all circumstances. We need your spirit to heal victims and perpetrators and help us all to not tolerate this behavior on behalf of what is sold as God's mission for one more minute. Guide us by your spirit, we pray. Amen.